So we want to take some time today, you know, in three weeks from today, we're going to have a baptism celebration ceremony. Um, And so I wanted to spend some time today talking about baptism, what it is, why we do it, because um, you may be like me, you've grown up in the church, or maybe you're new to the church, and we have these traditions and these things that we do, and sometimes you don't fully understand what it means or why we do it or whatever, you know, like I, my dad was a pastor or whatever. I grew up in the church and there's like so many things that I had to go to college to like figure out why we were doing these things or whatever, you know, like why, why do we dunk people underwater? I don't know, you know, like, and then I go to college to really actually think about it for the first time and spend a lot of money. So uh, I'm saving you guys lots of money. Um, by talking about it and, and why we go, to, why we're doing baptisms in a couple of weeks, because I like to. It's a little bit nice to know why you're doing something, right? Any of you guys feel like that? You like to know what something is before you do it. Um, woo. <laughs> um, so, if you guys, um, I like to. A lot of times when I explain something. Um, start off with what something, like start off with a bad example. That usually, sometimes that's the easiest way to get to where I want to go. So today uh, is no different. I want to show um, a clip from the highly theological movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, in the baptism scene. So turn your heads with me and let's watch this clip. You stole from my kin. Who was fixing to betray us. You didn't know that at the time. So I borrowed it till I did know. That don't make no sense. Pete is a fool who looks for logic in the chambers of the human heart. Appears to be some kind of a congregation. Care for some gopher? No, thank you, Delmer. the chumps. Everybody's looking for answers. Where the hell's he going? Delmar's been saved. Well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher done washed away all my sins and transgressions. It's a straight and narrow from here on out. 
and heaven everlasting's my reward. Delver, what are you talking about? We got bigger fish to fry. The preacher said all my sins is washed away, including that Piggly Wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. Well, I was lying. And the preacher said that that sin's been washed away, too. Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water is... Fine. Whoops. Cut off saying. <laughs> I love that. Neither God nor man have anything on me. You know, poor Delmar. Um, he has what I'm going to call a, a magical view of baptism, right? You know, a lot of people have had this idea that baptism is maybe this loophole that we discovered so that we don't go to hell. You know, like God's sending us to hell, but luckily we figured out if we have a preacher dunk us in a river that we can avoid it. You know, that that, that God has nothing on us anymore. And this is not what baptism is really about, to be totally honest. You know, this is a magical view of, of baptism that says, like, if we do this one thing, if we just do this ritual, then our sins will be forgiven. Like it's a rich, it's, uh, that's something that God has to obey or that God has to do. But the problem with this is this sort of thinking is, is this ritual, it, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with your heart. It doesn't change you in any sort of way. If you watch the rest of that movie, Delmar is kind of the same old guy or whatever. You know, he's made no real changes in his life. He's just super pumped that, uh, that his sins are forgiven and God has nothing on him anymore, you know, as he says. Um, that's not what baptism is really about. So if that was you thinking, like, we'll, we'll, we'll give you, like, a new, a new paradigm or whatever. But, you know, we, we have this magical thinking of God sometimes that, that, that there are rituals or things that we can say, um, you know, that, that baptism itself is, is, is this act that that saves us, gives us salvation, just going underwater and coming back up is, is what it is. But there's a couple of neg- negative implications that I want to talk to you guys uh, about this morning before we uh, move on. The first is this, this, idea of, this idea of baptism can give people like a false ins- assurance, right? That you do this one thing and you are set for life and God has nothing on you, and it doesn't matter whether you, you, you whether you're walking out your Christ, Christian life, whether you're a disciple, whether you're a follower of Christ and acting like Him, or you, whether you are the furthest thing from it. That it all doesn't matter anymore. You know, we almost treat like if you have that idea, you can treat baptism as this like trip to the tag agency to get your like free sinners permit. You know, like if you just do this one you just do this thing then you're good then you can sin all you want and there's you know you're good won't go to hell you, you, you you're saved from it but this 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 makes no, if if this is your thinking yet yeah, there's no changes that happen in your heart there's no changes that happen in your actions there's no relationship with god being formed or continue to be formed it's just like a Cool. See you later, God. You know, see see you when I die. You know, I'll I'll, I'll be back later. Uh, the second problem um, with this view is it's can be this hyper legalistic view of God, like God um, somehow needs baptism to forgive sins. 
right? Like God needs you to go underwater and come back up to to give you salvation or to give you uh, freedom from your sins. And this, like, first of all, it's not even biblical because we see, like, Jesus, you know, in, in the Bible, he goes around and uh, forgives people's sins, right? Right there on the spot, he tells people that their sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, um, great, if you want to sign up in the foyer and, and we're going to have a baptism in a couple months and then your sins will be forgiven then with the baptism thing because, God, I, you know, I need to do this to, in order to forgive you. No, no, no. That is like limiting, limiting God, right? Like God does not have to have this ritual happen in order for us to give us salvation or, or to have a relationship with us or to forgive our sins. It's simply not necessary. You know, and, and, and there's certain, um, you know, parts of Christianity, you know, even, even our own church here, um, we have a history. Um, we used to be Holiness Pentecostal Church. And um, the belief in, 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 in that um, sect is that if you were baptized, but the preacher said, um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and baptized you, that doesn't count. In, 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 in holiness, Pentecostal thinking, it has to be in Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. The preacher says, has to say, in the name of Jesus Christ and baptize you for it to count. So people that are there, they're like, oh, you're baptized before? What, did, what words did the preacher say? Okay. And, and then that matters. Which is just, you know, um, crazy a little bit. Like, if you think about it this way. Think about Jesus standing there at the pearly gates. And he sees you come up and he says, oh, brother, you know, sister, I've known you your whole life. Thank you for all your faithful serving and you've prayed to me and you fed the poor and you clothed the naked and, and you did my work. And I'm so proud of you. And it was so great. Um, I just have to check your file, your baptism file real quick. You know, oh, we have a derogatory mark on baptism. I'm going to have to go check the instant replay, you know, you know, oh, the preacher said the wrong words, so this is awkward, um, you're not allowed in, I'm so, I'm so sorry, um, you know, you're just gonna have to go to hell, and, you know, all right, bye-bye, that's all the time we have for now, you know, that's crazy, right, you know, like, I said this in first church, and they loved it, uh, so I'll say it again. Uh, that is like God the Pharisee on crack, like so like wild, you know, like to, to a million degrees. And God, he's not like in this box, you know, where, like I said, it's not this loophole that we figured out how to say these magical words and do this magical ritual that will... Um, get us into heaven. But we sometimes have this idea. Um, we, we view God through this magical lens sometimes. Um, like if we do certain things and say certain things that God has to obey or, or do whatever we want. You know, I was listening. Um, there's a preacher I know of that grew up Catholic, and he was telling this story about um, when, he was, when he was in first grade, he used to, like, have nightmares about going to hell, and he was just kind of obsessed with it, and he'd wake up in the middle of the night uh, scared of going to hell. And the problem was, um, at the Catholic school he went to, um, 
you had to go to confession with the priest to confess your sins for your sins to be forgiven so that you could go to heaven. And the problem was they didn't start doing this till second or third grade. And he was in first grade. So he's like, what if I die in the next year? And so he's like constantly just stressed out. You know, imagine like a six-year-old freaking out about going to hell all the time and being like, you know, so it's kind of funny. But he, in, in one of his classes, this nun said something, you know, that he must have like heard wrong. This is probably not what she was actually saying, but this is the way he heard it, is that if you went to these special masses, there's these special evening masses where they did these uh, novella prayers to Mary, and if he went to nine of them consecutively, that he would get into heaven. And so his like, first grader mind was like, that's my ticket. Like, that's how I'm going to do it. So he's, like, begging his stepmom, like, please take me to Mass. And his, his, his stepmom was devout and was, like, oh. And she was impressed that he, like, wanted to go to ma- Mass on a Thursday night. So she takes him and stuff. And he's, like, sweet. Okay, so we can go next week. She's, like, uh, I don't think I can take you every week. And he's, like, this is, I got to go nine times. Like, I got eight more times. This, this is not going to work. And so he tells her, you know, why. She's like, why do you have to go? He's like, because I have to do these novellas, and I got to go nine times in a row, and then I can get into heaven. And she's like, that doesn't get into heaven. He's like, well, what? Does, he's like, being sinless gets you into heaven. And he's like, that's not going to work for me. You know, so all it's to say is, is we can have these magical thinking, Right? Like, like there's, you know, spells or incantations, like the words we can say, if we say them in a right way or we do the right thing, that God is somehow uh, bound to, to what we say or do, you know, and that baptism can be, or salvation can be earned through um, one of these ways. And baptism, for some reason, you know, is one of these areas that sometimes we've had this view that, that if we do this and we say this, that God has to form, uh, that, that he has to do what we say. Um, but we do it in other areas of our life, too. I don't want to just narrow it to baptism, even though that's what we're mostly talking about today. But we have this tendency to bargain with God sometimes, you know, to make deals like, you know, like, God, once you give me that, you know, if you just give me that raise, then I'll start tithing, or, you know, God, if you um, heal heal my daughter, then I'll stop looking at pornography, or, you know, whatever that particular sin is, or we do it, like, in, in, in regards to money, you know, like, if some people talk about if you say this and you do these specific things, then, then God will make you rich and prosperous, um, and and then when that doesn't work out, then they blame the for- like. Well, you must have not been following the formula perfectly. You know, you have to have enough faith, or you have to do this. You know, one time I I grew up going to um, this Christian middle school, and um, after one of the basketball, you, we lost a basketball game, and it was kind of like, I mean, from our point of view, a bad ref call. Um, who knows? Uh, but the the ref made a bad call, and I heard a lady say. This is because we didn't pray enough before the game. And so the weird thing is, though, is like, you know, I went to a Christian middle school. We're usually playing basketball against other Christian schools. You know, like, what if they pray before their service and we pray? You know, like, how does that work? And, uh, like, is God, like, going to turn the ref into a robot and he doesn't have free will anymore? Like, and he can't make calls, good calls or bad calls? You know, it, 
it's kind of weird, but it comes from this magical thinking, thinking that we can manipulate God, you know, that we can do these certain things and that God just has to follow what we say. We treat God um, like a genie in a bottle, you know, like he has, like if we do these certain things, he'll say what we want. Or we treat him like a, like some sort of grand cosmic vending machine, right? Like, uh, God, I need, um, I need help at work. I need a promotion. So what is that? C, you know, four. Okay. How much does that cost? Okay. You know, I have to pray more, you know, and you just treat it like that. Like there's things that we want and that we have to do certain things in order to get things from God. And if you take anything away today, um, It's this main thing, that salvation is not a deal, it's not a trade, it's not a bargain, right? Salvation is just given to us by God, because God does not want to be your genie, he does not want to be your cosmic vending machine, whatever, that you just go to him when you need something. God wants to be the lover of your soul, and he wants to know you intimately. And that's his goal. Now, this, this is like a revelation to me. He wants to save us. God wants to save us. Because he wants to share life with us. That is the purpose of salvation. So that we can have this shared life with him. And this shared life, this life together with God, that is the salvation God offers. Think about it this way. God doesn't give salvation to people. He is salvation. Does that make sense? He, we, sometimes we treat salvation as if it's this sort of, you know, like it's a, you know, like it's a, it's its own thing. It's this box, like, you know, a badge. Here's salvation. Okay. And then you can walk away from God. But what salvation is, is a restored relationship with God. This is what the whole Bible is about, right? Man falls into sin. Sin separates man from God, and this relationship is broken. It's torn apart by sin. We are not able, because of sin, we were not able to rightly relate to God. We weren't able to know him fully. We weren't able to know what his character was like. But then through the death and resurrection of Jesus, He restored that relationship. He destroyed sin. He made it so that we can have a relationship with God, which is what God desired all along, which is what reconciliation is. Like, we were reconciled unto God, and so now we can have a relationship with him. And that is what salvation is. That is it. That is the gift he gives. The gift he gives is a relationship with him. So if we can lock that in our brain, we can start to get what what baptism is and, and what salvation is and how we're to act. It's not something we attain apart from God. Think about it this way, you know, um, hell is the ab- total absence of God. Like we were beings created to be uh, in relationship with God. We were meant to have that relationship with him. And so to be apart from that totally and completely is torture. So when we are separated, when our soul is just separated from God completely, that is hell. But heaven 
is the opposite. It is total unification with God. It is to know him fully. It is to have a relationship with him. And so that is the salvation that God offers. It's not this thing that you can just get after you do something or whatever. It's, it's this relationship with him. It's to know him. Uh, turn to John 17, 1 through 5. This illustrates this point really well. Um, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. This word glorify, we see it all over. What it really just means is to put God's radiance on display. Like, may you be glorified and glorify your son that you would show that God's nature and his radiance would be shown through his son. That's what he's talking about there. Now, verse um, 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he may might give eternal life to all those you have given them. Now listen to verse 3. Now this is life eternal, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. This verse 3, like, I think says it all. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. That is the abundant life God offers. To know him, to have a relationship. This, this word, uh, know, um, it's, 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 it's not to know about God. It's, it's, it's actually kind of the Greek, the Greek word for it is, is kind of the, is associated with like uh, consummating a marriage. You know, like the Bible says, Adam knew Eve. And so it's a very intimate um, connotation that we're to know God. Now, like this is important to recognize that we need to know salvation, eternal life comes from knowing God, not knowing about God, because those can be two different things, right? You can study the Bible and know, uh, you, can, you can have all this theology and have a bunch of verses memorized, but if you don't have a relationship with God, then it's, it's, it's not what he desires. It's kind of wrong. Like I'll say it this way, if, if I knew like everything about Hannah, my wife, if I knew everything about her, but I didn't actually know her, then that's creepy, right? To know everything about a person but not actually know them just makes you a creeper, right? So that's not what God is desiring, right? He's not desiring for you to know everything about him. He's desiring for you to know him because that's where transformation um, comes from. Salvation is this intimacy with God, He doesn't want rituals. He doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want superficial prayers. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you. He wants your commitment. He wants all of you, not just the, like, good on Sunday, I got my nice clothes on and I combed my hair and brushed my teeth, um, which most of you probably do that every day, um, I don't do it on Saturdays a lot of times. I don't know. I'm gross. Uh, 
but he 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 wants he wants not just the best parts of you but he wants even the the broken the hurting the dirty the muddled the parts of you that you try and hide from people he wants to know you intimately and so he wants all of that you know sometimes uh, to our own demise i think we treat our relationship with god like in an employee-employer relationship, right? Like, we have this arrangement, like, um, you know, I come to church, I sing songs, I smile at people, you know, I give a turkey at Thanksgiving, you know, I do a stocking at Christmas, and um, in exchange for all that, you know, that's my work. I check, I clock in, and I do that, and then God pays me, you know, back with not going to hell. And this isn't the relationship that God tries to, you know, it's not like, you know, with your boss, you know, your boss is usually like, I want you to come to work. You do your job. We don't have any problems. I'm happy. Don't care what you do with your own time, right? Sometimes we have this association with God that we, that he just cares about, you know, what happens on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week, you know, I'll see, I'll see you next week, you know. God is desiring to have a close relationship, with, much more, much more like marriage than employee-employer, right? The Bible uses this language of marriage all over in the Bible. Yahweh refers to Israel as his bride, and Jesus comes and he talks about himself as the bridegroom in search of a bride. So the Bible is rich with this metaphor of marriage, and that is a much better way for us to think about our salvation, and our relationship to God. That, that salvation is this marriage between us and God. That is a relationship. That is a close, intimate relationship that involves every part of our life. Every part. And so, if baptism isn't this magical washing away of sins, like in, you know, for Delmar, what is it? Baptism is a public declaration of the new covenant that you are entering into. Like if salvation is our marriage to God, then baptism is our wedding ceremony. Does that make sense? We can view it in the same way. You know, and the thing, the thing with, um, you know, when, when you marry someone generally, at least this is the case for me, um, I knew Hannah. I fell in love with her. Um, I loved being with her. All this happened before our wedding day. You know, I had a relationship with Hannah. I loved her. And at some point, I was like, this girl's pretty cool. I think I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And, you know, so then we have this wedding celebration that doesn't, you know, there's nothing like magical that ha- I mean it's magic <laughs> let me tread carefully <sighs> it was a magical day um, the words I do they're not like this magical incantation that like you know changes who I am you know it doesn't I mean you know it's not like you know, the officiant is, like, hypnotizing you, you know, like, repeat after me. 
till death do us part, you know, in sickness and health, you know, and so you're like, and then I do, and then you're like in this trance or whatever that you're like stuck to your vows or whatever. There's nothing magical going on within those words, but it is meaningful. It's extremely meaningful. You know, it's in this commitment, um, in those vows that I made before, you know, a group or closest family and friends that adds a little bit of strength and encouragement when things are kind of tough. And Lord knows we have two babies right now, so send the blessings. Uh, it's, it can be tough sometimes, you know, but this commitment that we have to one another, this, 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 this covenant we've made in marriage gives us strength. It gives, gives us motivation, you know. You wear these wedding rings, and it's a reminder sometimes that when I took those vows, I did change in a way. I changed from thinking as a me to thinking as a we. That I no longer thought just in terms of I, like, what do I want to do? What do, where do I want to go? What do I want to eat? How do I want to raise our kids? Or, you know. But I made a commitment. I made a promise that I would start thinking with both of us in mind. Right? How do we want to do this? Where do we want to go? What do we want our lives to be like? That in every decision I do, I take Hannah into consideration. I take her thoughts and what she would want and her desires um, into consideration. And that is similar to what God is requiring of us in baptism, right? When we make this commitment to God, when we go through this ceremony that we say, I know you and I love you, but I want to promise you, God, that I'm not going to think as a me anymore, but I'm going to think as a we. That I'm not just going to seek after my own selfish desires, what I want, what I want to do, but I'm going to take into consideration what you want, God, what you desire for my life, what your word says, what your people prescribe. We take this seriously, and and it can transform us. It does have this power to change who we are because we have we have a new leader in our lives. We have a new allegiance. You know, I was reading about um, ancient Roman culture this week. And uh, in, in this Roman culture, like, pledges and oaths held together the social structure. Like, everything was based on this high, high, high sense of loyalty, right? You pledged your allegiance to Rome and to Caesar, and to your captain, and to your boss, and a lot of times these had, like, ceremonies that went along with them. Like, imagine, you know, you, you apply for a new job, everything looks great, you're hired, we just have to do this quick um, oath to where you promise to work for me for the rest of your life, and do whatever I say. It was kind of serious back then, you know. Uh, today, uh, you know, people people don't hold a job down, you know, as long as they did back then, that's for sure. Um, But they would have these ceremonies around them, and these ceremonies were designed to create loyalty. And so 
it's, it's in this context that we can understand what baptism is more, right? Baptism is a ceremony in which people, Christians, pledge their allegiance to God, to Jesus, above all else, to no one else. And so if you understand that, if you understand how intense it was, and you understand what these Christians are saying in these ceremonies, it starts to make sense why uh, Christians were persecuted, they were martyred, they were murdered by the Roman government, because Rome would, would, you know, they made everyone swear allegiance to Rome, to Caesar, swear all your allegiance to Caesar. But there's these groups of people going around uh, committing themselves, pledging their allegiance to this guy named Jesus. And they're like, what is this? They viewed it as a, they view it as an uprising. Your, your allegiance should be to Rome. And, and so they would crush these uprisings that they perceived, you know, and they would kill these Christians because they would pledge their allegiance to God and to nothing else. I still believe today that we need to do the same. That as we commit our lives to Christ, we take seriously what he says. We take seriously his commands. We take seriously his rule and reign in our lives to such a degree that, that it changes everything. That we live by like this different set of rules and we understand that, um, that we've made this promise to listen to God and to follow what he says. You know, sometimes we have this attitude of, well, I've been baptized and um, I don't feel, you know, I still feel the same or whatever. We have to learn to listen to, you know, it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight, but we have to listen to God and what he says about us because we have this whole world that is saying stuff about us that isn't true. It doesn't matter what, uh, your mom or your dad or, you know, an abuser or anyone said, if you know, if they said you were stupid or you weren't worth it or you can't do this or you can't do that. You've had an old employer that said you, you're incapable of doing whatever. That isn't what God says about us. And so we, as, as Christians, as people who have pledged our allegiance to God, have to listen to the only true source the only source of truth in our life is God and what he says about us. So if he says that you are his child, that you are perfect, that he loves you, then that's what's true of you. Not all that other stuff people say about you. Um, I want to read from Romans 6, 1 um, in a moment. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul is addressing this um, idea that started to crop up. These people were kind of saying, like, God's grace is so great, he'll forgive us for doing anything. So why don't we, to, to put on display God's grace, sin more? It's a great idea. No, it's not. Uh, they're, they're saying, like, if the more we sin, the more grace God can pour out. And that, how awesome is that? You know, we show how great God is. That's like, it's, that's, Paul was probably ripping his hair out. Like, what? You know, like, that would be like me saying, 
like, oh, my wife, Hannah, she's like so loving and forgiving. And so like, let me just show off how forgiving she can be, you know, by doing stuff she hates. I wouldn't prescribe that for anyone. Don't do that. Um, and so this is, this is what Paul is addressing. He's saying this to, to them. He says, by no means, which is a strong word um, in, in Greek. It doesn't matter. Uh, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live. This lays out to us what this, this, the symbolic nature of this baptism ceremony that we do is about. It is about our death, the death of our sinful nature, the death of our old self, the death of the part of us that wasn't saved, that didn't know God. We, as we go underneath the water, it symbolizes us entering into the death of Christ. And when, as we come out of that water, it symbolizes entering into the new life, the eternal life that we are able to experience through a relationship with God. As we make that commitment, as we make that promise, as we come out, we are declaring publicly that we have made this decision, that we are committed in every way to Christ, that we will serve him as our Lord. And so we are going to have one of these baptism ceremonies in about three weeks. And I want to encourage anyone um, who may be feeling like they, they uh, want to make that commitment known. They want to take that step towards Christ. There's nothing magical. There's no voodoo going on. It's just a pe- public declaration of what the change that has already begun to happen in our own lives. And so I want to invite anyone who's having that pull, having that thought, having that process, you are invited to, to participate in that, in that new life that comes from that. And I also want to invite everyone here to help us celebrate that wonderful commitment. You know, I really do think of it as like a wedding, like a joyous wedding. When two people commit their lives together and how awesome that is. And you just want to be there to celebrate. You want to be there in support. You want to show them that you are a part of their lives. That you are there for them. That you will help uh, in any way you can. And so we want to do that same thing in our baptism ceremony. It will be right after church. But if you want to come and just support and show your support just like a wedding. See this wedding view of baptism shows us the true nature of God. It, it reflects the love of God and his desire to have a relationship with us. And it's that relationship with us that brings salvation. That is the salvation, is a relationship with God. If you want to stand up with me as we pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you are doing here in this place, God, amongst these people. God, I pray that you would just be near to us. God, that we would grow united. God, that we would um, be joyous in our celebration of what you are doing in people's lives in our midst. God, I just pray right now for anyone who is considering being baptized, God, that you would speak to them, that you would encourage them, that you would uh, show them that it is just a commit, showing of their commitment to you, God, and that it is to be celebrated. God, I pray for anyone uh, in this room that is getting to know you, God. Anyone who, who is desiring to know you more fully, God, I pray that you would just uh, make them feel your love here in this place, God. God, I pray that you would just help them to know you more. And God, I pray for us as a body of believers, God, that we would be a congregation that is supportive, that is loving, that we can surround new believers with your love, God, and that we can support them and celebrate them. And as all these things I pray in your name, amen. Amen. Well, before we go, we uh, are going to give of an offering to God. If it's your first time uh, today.